Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of This Week in App. I am your host, John Asselon, and glad you could join me for this podcast. We're having a great time doing it. Hope you are enjoying each and every show. We've changed formats, as you may or may not know, but uh, we are now on Anchor Podcast, and I will again implore you to uh, go to the uh, Anchor app, uh, download the Anchor Podcast app to your phone. Um, I believe you can also do it to other devices, but the easiest way is to do it onto your phone. And then once you have done that, you want to look up the This Week in APA uh, podcast specifically, favorite that podcast, and then you will be logged in and I'll get a, a, a notice immediately that uh, there is a new member of the This Week in APA family and uh, you'll be on. And uh, if uh, for some reason you want to uh, send me a voicemail, let me know what you think of the podcast, maybe some ideas for the podcast, maybe a comment on one of my guests, uh, any anything that you want to share, you need to keep it in a 60-second format. But uh, you can do that if you download the Anchor app and favorite the This Week in APA podcast. So do that uh, as soon as you can. And again, I hope you're enjoying uh, each and every program. Uh, we got another good one here today. We are going to be talking with Chris White, who uh, last year uh, started a uh, tournament in Las Vegas, Nevada. He'll be doing it again this year in August. He'll be telling us uh, about all of that and, and a little bit about his history uh, with the uh, Appa Game Company. Uh, also, uh, we'll have another segment of Commissioner's Corner with Dominic Proviciero. So uh, looking forward to that as well. So uh, stick around. We're going to be uh, talking Appa as we always do. Uh, so uh, we'll be back right after uh, this short pause with more on this week's edition. Welcome back, everybody, to This Week in App. I'm your host, John Aslan. And on the line right now, I have my guest for today's uh, podcast. A guy who lives out in the wonderful world of Las Vegas. His name is uh, Chris White. And Chris, uh, last year... Uh, hosted a tournament at the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas. We're going to talk to him about that and his upcoming tournament, which will also be in the desert. And uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking the time. Hey, John, how you doing, man? It's good to be on your podcast. I'm doing great, and uh, glad to, it's great to have you on. And uh, uh, first of all, like I ask all my guests, uh, what I, I want to find out is how you got introduced to APA, when you got started, so you can tell us a little bit about that. We'll get going. Well, I got introduced to the game back in 1982. A friend of mine named Mark Urbanski and his little brother Tony lived above me in our apartment complex, and uh, we were all big baseball fans, and they played this game with their dad for a couple of years, and they introduced me to the game, and we just started playing, and every single day we would play this game. I mean, we would we would skip school, all kinds of stuff. One time, a funny story. His mom is from England. She had a thick English accent. And uh, one day we were all skipping school and we were at my apartment when my mom went to work. And we didn't realize that my mom left the window open. And we were downstairs at my house playing, shaking those dice. And his mom was home and she was walking out outside and she could hear those dice shaking and she <laughs> my door and I answered the door and she goes what the bloody hell's going on down there you guys playing the bloody uh APBA baseball <laughs> <laughs> so she knew her kids had skipped school too because she could hear us all talking laughing and joking and we got caught and she told my mom and we all got in trouble <laughs> oh the telltale the tell the telltale roll of the dice and you can hear that shaker from miles away you guys should have gotten in i don't think bbw the computer game was up yet so you couldn't have snuck out doing that that would have been a little bit better for you no no you know what i've never played any of the computer games now see so you're you're a true card and dice guy then <laughs> I don't, you know, just just video games in general. I'm horrible at. My kids will play these video games, and I try to play, but they don't have buttons to push, and they kill me all the time. So I get mad, throw the yeah. control. Yeah, there's something in the genetics of of today's kids that uh, have that uh, 
that hand-eye coordination with their fingers and thumbs that we don't have. I'm, I'm right there with you, my man. I'm right there with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, like I was trying to play the APBA Go, or I see, I call it APBA. I, I didn't even know it was called I had no clue. But <laughs> we always called it APBA, man. So I still call it. That. But that, that, I mean, I, I tried the Go game, and I just, I just didn't understand it. It just seemed like the the dice were rolling for me. I want to roll the dice. I don't want yeah. to just put. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I really appreciate the app and go game for a lot of reasons. And, and, and it's just the fact that you, you can play with anybody online anywhere in the world. That's the real, uh, that, that's the real advantage to it. But you know, you're right. And I'm not a, I, I like rolling the dice and reading the cards, but I basically now play computer just because it's of the time constraints that I have. It's a much quicker way of playing, but you can yeah. tell you what, you can't pry the dice out of some of these guys' hands. That is all they are going to play, and that's all they're comfortable with, and that's all well and good as long as they keep playing the game. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as they keep on playing, keep it going in one form or another, it'll be good. But, you know, when I played it, I guess I was on it, like, when it first came out, and maybe it's fixed, but I noticed, like, some of the dice rolls didn't match what it said was happening. Maybe there were just some bugs in it, and I just kind of was like, what is going on here? Yeah, well, yeah, well, and I think a little bit of it's been changed. It's not, it's not uh, directly connected to the cards. And I know that the the computer game was a little bit different. It wasn't uh, straight on with the with the card and dice uh, uh, basic game or master game. But uh, yeah, you might have a little, uh, uh, a few little nuances there that are different. But uh, hey, you know what I say to each their own. Whatever makes you happy. Uh, that's just the way you got to go about it. So, so there, there's there's no, no nothing bad about however anybody plays the game. You said you started way back in '82. So now, uh, you know, you did you play in in did you get involved in the leagues at all, or did you just play? Oh, yeah, we had the biggest league that we ever had was 12 people out here. Mm-hmm. And by the time we were 16, you know, we're in Vegas, so we were playing for money. <laughs> so, like. Everybody, like when we first started out as kids, everybody was like $20 a man, you know, and we'd have a tournament and we'd play like a double elimination tournament. And we'd all, we'd get our cards out and, and we wouldn't necessarily just play the teams. And then uh, we'd have to make different rules because some guys would start bringing Raleigh Fingers as an A and B in and the second inning. And we're like, no, you can't oh, read yeah. it. Oh, yeah, you got to make rules. <laughs> So we had we had certain rules for certain people, but the craziest thing ever was we played a a fifty game season one time, and Mike Jorgensen's card. I'm telling you, he probably hit maybe two ten or two twenty on the season. Mm-hmm. The guy three forty over fifty games. The guy who had him rolling these great numbers for him. He had like a nine on forty four, and every time against a B pitcher, that guy would get that nine on forty. Well, Mike Jorgensen played for the Cardinals for a while, a couple other teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We used to always call it the And and I've talked about this with other guys, too, but that's kind of the beauty of Apple. Some guys that that really have great cards and and, and great numbers on the seasons that you play don't pan out. You know, they might hit 50, 60 points under their average, and it goes the other way, too. Guys who were just mediocre players, 240, 250, might hit over 300, but that's just by the roll of the dice. And, and you can't really predict it. But some of those anomalies happen, and that's what I think is great about the game. Yeah, because, like, through the years of, like, I, I've been involved in, like, maybe five or six different no-hitters through the years, and it's mm. always like a B and C pitcher. It's never yeah, the A right. and C. <laughs> I'm like, how's this guy doing Well, you got to love the advancement, though. So, you, you, you know, you get that five-point, uh, five-grade advancement if, if you go through five shutout innings, and then that builds up, and all of a sudden you got yourself – a no-no in the books, but uh, you're right. I think that happens a lot of times. Yeah. And I've never played the master game either. Oh, so you're strictly a basic card and dice guy. All right. And I just make my own rules up too. Like, like when I play, like if you get a great advancement, mm-hmm. then I just say you're hot the next game and your great advances to the next game. And then when you allow the runs, then you go back ah. down. Yeah, you know, that's not a bad. That's not a bad way of doing it. That's not bad at all. I, I, and I also. Do- Put the, I put the betting lines in all the games, too. You did. You mentioned that to me when we had our little pre, uh, pre, <laughs> pre-interview discussion. 
that you do. Of course, you're in Vegas. You got to do those things. Those those just come naturally to you, don't they? Yeah, and even like for some of the tournaments, like for uh, Rob Spatz tournament in Chicago, I made the odds of who would win the win the tournament. <laughs> and uh, and of the of the top ten teams in the betting lines, uh, eight I think eight of the top ten teams made the playoffs. So there you go. So you know you know what you're talking about. You're not just throwing things out there. You're you're, you're having knowledge to back it up. Uh, I like that. That might be a whole new. That might be a whole new thing in these tournaments now. I have a betting line, uh, have some money lines going down. You never know. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a good time <laughs> last year. It it was good. Yeah. Let, let, well, let's talk about that. But, but you know, last year we uh, I mentioned that you you had the tournament at the Flamingo, but that wasn't your first tournament uh, out in Vegas. You uh, you you had some tournaments out there in the early uh, uh, turn of the century and uh, early two thousands, right? Yeah, it was like 2002, 2003, right around that time, I had uh, called Mark Rinaldi on the phone. We were just talking one day, and he kept and he told me, you know, the tournament was always in Lancaster. I said, well, I said, what about the West Coast people? We got to have a Vegas tournament. And so uh, we got together, and then we, we brought it out here. We had it at the Stratosphere for the first year, and then we went to the uh, Palace Station for the second year, and then with Muhammad Ali's daughter, Layla Ali. So then I kind of like stopped playing for a while. And I think they might have came back one other time, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they mm -hmm. came back again. But mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, so you're no stranger to, to doing tournaments out in Vegas. And, and the one last year, uh, uh, I think you had Bill Madlock come out and, uh, and uh, host the, the beginning of the tournament, did you not? With everybody for about an hour and a half, and he talked and signed autographs, took pictures with every single person. Uh, everybody was pretty happy with how things were going with him. Yeah. Now, how many how many people were actually at the tournament and participated? I think we only had like maybe. Uh, yeah, I think we had probably like twenty some people. Well, it's a good turnout. Good turnout. Now, now, where did the furthest one come? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you're out more towards the the west side of the country. Uh, where did they all? One and he had like the 19, I think he had the 84 or might have been the 84 Tigers or something like that. And because Madlock was on the team, that was funny because ah, he won. Actually, on. <laughs> that's that, that's good stuff right there. So now you're gonna have now you're gonna have this year's tournament uh, at the or at the Rio. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, we're gonna have it at the Rio Hotel this year. We already got 15 people confirmed. I got about maybe another 10 or 15 people saying they're trying to make arrangements. So I bet you we'll get 20, 24 people like that, you know, hopefully. Okay. Now what, what's the date for that? Uh, August 8th through the 11th is the days that I'm going to be around, but 9th and 10th is when we're going to play. Oh, okay. Okay. So August 8th, I can check in if they come in early and we'll, and on August 8th that evening, I'm going to bring the bats three set. And everybody just does a blind draw, and we're gonna have a single elimination tournament, and I'll give oh. a prize away. Well, wow, that's 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 good stuff right there. Get a little pre-tourney tourney going. So, uh, yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with have chicken wings and and you know <laughs> beverages. <laughs> typical, yeah, some... beverages. Typical, I guess, food, uh, chicken wings yeah. and, and uh, cold uh, adult beverages, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Last year I brought some like beers and stuff, but no one drank them. So I guess we don't have a drinking. I mean, I don't drink myself, but I just figured somebody might want some beer or something. But now, no uh, one, if I, so I'm like, no problem. Well, now listen, if I if I ever make my way out to Vegas for a tournament, you be sure you have a little cooler there for me anyway, because I will partake. I, I will partake in the cold ones. You know what I'm saying? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody were they were everybody was real good. You know, all the guys were real good guys. We didn't have any problems, no fights, nothing. No fights, good. And that's all good. That's all good to know. Now you mentioned uh, Layla Ali, and you were uh, uh, an assistant to her uh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I was her assistant for like eleven years when she fought. So wow. we went traveled all these fights all over the world, did all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, I, I'm. I, did you ever get to meet the champ? Oh yeah, he was around all the time. Uh, I figured he'd be. I figured he would be. That had to be a great thrill. I was uh, you know, yeah, was, uh, now he's yeah. from my he's from my neck of the woods, Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I'm not too far from there. So yeah. you got you, you got to love the champ. Uh, so what what was he like? Obviously, you know everybody knows what he was like in front of the camera. But what was he like 
you know, in private uh, with his daughter. He was just he was just a nice guy all the time. Like I would bring my my littlest boy to training camp a lot when Layla was training mm-hmm. and he'd sit on Muhammad's lap for hours at a time. And then Muhammad would be like, I'm taking him home with me. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seemed like he really had a good heart, you know, at, uh, Talk he, soft. Parkinson's, you know, he kind of talked soft and was, yeah. but around, he'd hit the heavy bag and hit the speed bag sometimes. And he still yeah. could do it in those early, like around 2003 to 2007 or 2008 around there. He still was mm. doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That that had to be a good experience for you. Now, uh, you know, being out in Vegas, I'm sure you see a lot of celebrities, a, a lot of the high rollers out there. I, and, and I was I was talking to you earlier because I I I thought you had some uh, uh, some affiliation with uh, Kurt Schilling, former former major league pitcher, and you said you know him and you've talked to him. But uh, who else out there uh, is uh, have you run into over the years? Well, like Bip Roberts, he comes out here a lot. I went to school with Tyler Houston. Then oh, yeah, right. My son played baseball against Joey Gallo, Bryce Harper, and, and Chris Bryant. Wow, nice. So, guys, and then another guy, uh, he plays for the Rangers now. What's his name? Oh, man. Why can I not remember this kid's name? He's from Vegas, too. He, he played shortstop on my son's baseball team when he was in high school. My son was a freshman. Good Lord. Wow. Okay. But, but there was like at my high school, I went to a school called Valley High School. Mm-hmm. We were a dominant baseball team back in the 80s. And our ace pitcher, when I was a freshman, Greg Maddox was our, our main pitcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so ladies, Greg, yeah. we had another kid on the team who was better than Greg Maddox named Danny Opperman. Mm-hmm. Danny Opperman in 1987 was the number one pick by the Dodgers in the sixth pick overall, I think. And wow. uh, he got all the way up to Albuquerque AAA, tore his arm up, of course. Yeah, and he's yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah. But yeah. there but, come a lot yeah, of you got you some good ball players come through that that part oh, of the country. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's this girl that I grew up with out here, and her son is Tommy Pham that plays for the Rays. And sure. I've known yeah. Tommy's baby. He's got a twin wow. sister. No, no. So you, you, you've run across. Now, let me ask you this. Of all those folks that you just mentioned, any of them Apple players? Because I could use a few more celebrities on the podcast. Kurt Schilling said he played. Yeah. I, you know what? I had heard that. I had heard that. Well, I love, I, he said I that he when he was at a card convention and somebody brought him his card to sign. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a typical Apple guy, right? Yeah, but a lot, a lot well, of guys had never heard of it before, and yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've I've not really asked too many of them about it. I've asked a few guys, but once yeah. in a while, I've seen George Hendrick around and Raleigh Fingers and yeah. uh, Josh Johnson that played for the Marlins. He's out here. Yeah. Uh, who else? The Giambi brothers are out here. Oh boy, I can imagine. How about <laughs> Pete Rose, my boy Pete Rose. He, he's Pete the Vegas Rose. guy. I sat by Pete Rose at a fight one time. Did you really? Yeah. New wife, this Asian lady that he's been with for yeah, a long time. Yeah. 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 I think he's I think they're still together, I think, because they, they did a little reality show and the whole thing. So uh Yeah, so Pete's yeah. out doing autograph signings and stuff like that. Absolutely. It was funny. the first time I had ever seen Pete Rose out here was like, man, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But one uh-huh. of my my friend Frank, he had he's passed away now, but uh he was always a, a prankster, and he mm-hmm. he went up and paid the fifty dollars to to have Pete Rose autograph something, and he had a he had a a, a betting slip <laughs> to sign. Oh. It. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that he was he laughed, he signed it. Uh, I will say this about Pete, and I I actually uh, kind of uh, uh, well, I wouldn't say Pete would know who I am, but I was a groundskeeper for the Reds. Uh, for eight years from 72 to 79. And uh, uh, Pete, he was as good-natured a guy as you'd ever want to meet. I mean, he was egotistical, yes. He was fanatic about baseball. But he would be the kind of guy that walk up to you and act like he knew you all of his life. He'd ask you how you were doing and and did you watch the game last night? What did you think about that play at second? And, I mean, he is as good-natured as you can find in a guy. But 
boy, you know, if, if it just hadn't been for our little gambling uh, Jones, he's got, he, <laughs> my things might've turned out a little bit different for him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that gambling thing got him. And now, you know, gambling is going to be legal everywhere pretty sure. soon. So sure. You know, it come with, yeah, it comes around now a little bit too late for people, but I hate that everything's not pure anymore. That's, but that, that's, moves, that is right. Well, now listen, but mention once again the, the dates for your upcoming uh, tournament out there and where it's going to be and how they can get a hold of you to, uh, to, to sign up. The dates are August 8th through 11th, but 9th and 10th is when we actually play the games. Right. You can contact me at cwhitesports, S-P-O-R-T-S, at yahoo.com. Email me. Let me know if you're interested in coming to the tournament. I'll send you all the rules. And this year's tournament, I'm doing a little in the tournament so far as well the uh parameters are 1969 to 2009 but we're only doing a two-man rotation so your top two pitchers can go all the time oh wow yeah interesting that makes a big difference Steve. you have to look at those teams that had uh, uh two big uh, uh guns going up against it and then that's that's the kind of team would give you an advantage so that's what i like about these tournaments too is that the themes are always interesting and very creative of what they come up with, and that's a good one. And I did something new last year that I think a few other tournaments are starting to incorporate as well. And I know it's kind of a controversial topic, but I provided for everybody. I gave them their mm-hmm. own shake. So you couldn't bring your own dice from your that you had at home. Oh, I see. I see. So there, so there's no advantage. There's no kind of like home field advantage for some guys that bring their own dice and shakers, right? Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, people, some people argue with me and, and say it's not true, but these dice wear out and you can get yeah. dice to do a lot of things. <laughs> hey, and you would know out in Vegas, they check all that stuff. Huh? <laughs> out in Vegas, they check all that stuff, man. They put it on the spinner and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want everybody to feel like they're on a, on the same playing field because I mean, hey, some guys, like I've talked to guys, they go, I've had these dice forty two years. I'm like, well, those things are warped. <laughs> I mean, uh, you got some; they're chipped up, and they got, some of them don't have the same numbers on them. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just feel just kind of like you know, er, give everybody a fair chance of what's going on. And you know, I met a guy before one time. I don't know if you've ever seen this or heard of this. But we played with a guy one time, and when we went to play, he thought the person who rolled the dice was pitching to your team. Oh, well, maybe, yeah. That, he must have started in another game somewhere, but it, maybe he started playing out but thinking that. You never know, yeah. Exactly. And so I was like, that, that's a weird twist to it if you pitch to him. <laughs> that is kind of odd. That, 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 that's an interesting uh, – Role reversal there. Yeah, because it, you know, that's usually what happens in the game. They have the ball, so that means he has the That's dice. right. That's that's right. So, hey, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be another theme to a tournament. Maybe maybe they'll do that. Oh, man, I think I don't I don't think people would like that. No, I don't, I don't think that. That's too much for the Apple folk. That's no doubt about it. Uh, well, Chris, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get – uh, a lot of uh, a lot of folks uh, interested in your tournament out in Vegas uh, this coming August. Uh, uh, best of luck to you there. And uh, and listen, if you run into Kurt Schilling and talk to him, tell him I want to get him on the podcast. That'd be that'd be a good that'd be a good get for me. All right, I'll let him know. I'll let all these guys know if you ever want to talk to any of them. All right, that sounds great, Chris. Keep going with that APBA man. We love it. We appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks a lot, John. You have a good day. You got it, buddy. That was Chris White out in Vegas. He's going to have another tournament out there at the Rio Hotel. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun like it was last year at the Flamingo. And we really appreciate Chris coming on and talking to us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up from here on This Week in Apple. Take care. We're back here on This Week in Apple. I am John Aslan, your host, and it's time for another segment. Oh, yeah, you guys are loving this segment. Commissioner's Corner with Dom Proviciero. And Dom, uh, this week, is going to talk to us about rules in leagues, and that's what this segment is all about, how to run your league, uh, some of the things that pop up. And, Dom, once again, 
thanks for joining me and uh, thanks for being a part of this week in Apple. Hey, John. Hope all is well. Greetings, Apple Nation, and uh, excited again to be here. Uh, as always, I love this uh, this podcast, and I love uh, definitely being a part of it. Um, we're going to cover rules, John. Like you said, uh, the first uh, the first chapter we did was basically the format of the league. You know, just to recap, you know, what you want to play: basic, master game, BBW, Apple Go. Uh, second one was finding players, and now we're going to dip uh, a little bit into rules. Um, I got to tell you, John. I think the biggest, the biggest rule decision in all the leagues has got to be DH versus no DH. And, and it's still that's that's such a, a lightning rod subject in Major League Baseball. I mean, everybody's still talking about let's get it to where it's either all DH or all non-DH. So uh, leagues have obviously the same problems. Tell us about how you work that out. Well, basically, um, you know, we've been around for 38 years, my particular league, and I have to tell you that we've we've dabbled in it all. I mean, in the beginning, we had an American League and a National League, and the National League didn't use the DH, and the American League did. Then we went a couple of years to using the DH, then we got away from the DH. We currently don't use the DH. Um, and I got to tell you, I think, I think a lot of what I see is I think a lot of the younger players, the younger members, are... Um, are for the DH. And I think the older guys, yeah, I mean, I I'm looking at it in my league, it might be different than somebody else's, but I think the older guys are like, no, we don't want anything to do with the DH. Yeah. Um, now, it's a little different. I mean, maybe it's not a little different. Maybe it's a lot different when you're, you know, if, if you had to make that vote for Major League Baseball and now you're making that vote for an Apple League, because I got to tell you, not having the DH takes a lot of the chess, uh, the chess match away from Apple. No, you know, we play a combination of um, uh, Master Game, BBW, Paul Marino boards. Uh, and so when you get into those seventh, eighth, ninth innings and you're, you know, you're, you're checking each person's move, right? You know, you got a, you got a, 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 a pitcher coming up and now you say, okay, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let him go, these two batters, because he's coming up first. And I, I you know, I, I want to, I don't want to waste two pitchers, right? Because you know you're going to pinch hit for them. Right. So I think what happens is not having the DH takes away a lot of that, you know, chess match at the end of the game, you know, um, double switches, things like that. I find that interesting. I love that, you know, and it, and it, and it becomes like, you know, manager versus manager. You know, he's going to make this move. You're going to come in and make that move. And I think with the DH, it takes away a lot of that. I think when I played the DH in, in my leagues, you know, back in the day, um, it was a lot of just, you know, just rolling. There was no need to make a move, You're right. you know. So right. it took a lot of that away. And, and listen, some people like that. I don't want this to be, you know, like because because Dominic doesn't like the DH. Yeah, Everybody yeah. Should. Yeah. It's whatever floats your boat. And the thing is, what the beauty about it is, in an, in an Apple League, you guys get to pick that, right? You guys get to make that choice. Hey, how do we want to play, guys? We want to play DH, no DH? Well, maybe a combination, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe you could have half the league be a DH league and, and the other half be a no DH league. So it winds up to be just like the MLB. You know, you mm -hmm. come in the Yankees. You're using the DH. You go in the uh, city field, you're not using the DH. Right. You know, so it's a little bit of... Um, so every, what's good about that is that everybody gets a little bit of what they want, right? You can't get everything, but you get a little bit of what you want. But I think that's the um, that's that's the biggest question going into uh, you know rules. Um, I think the second biggest thing is um, player usage. You know mm -hmm. limits. Right. How do you how do you want to you know do you you know do you want to do you know how many plate appearances the guy has? Do you want to do how many games the guy played in? Uh, with pitchers, you know, is the game started? Is it um, innings pitched? Is it batter's face? There is a multitude of ways that you can go with this. You know, um, you could go by J factor. I've seen leagues where sure. they say, well, you know, uh, a J four can only one game of the series, right. J two can play three games, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so you got a lot of stuff with that. One of the things that we do uh, with our player usage on relievers is when we have a series, uh, let's say say your team is coming into town to my team, you know, to play a series, the relievers get uh, limited by the uh, by the J factor. Right. So a J zero would be allowed to play one game. I'm sorry, one inning every every game. Yeah. A J one, you would 
you would minus one. So in other words, let's say we had a five-game set coming up. Mm -hmm. The J pro can pitch five innings. The J one, you take the J factor and you minus the series number, which would be five. So you get four. So J one oh, would I be see. able, or J two would be able to pitch three, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, that's how we do relievers. But you know, a lot of people have all these different rules on usage, and I think what you need to look at, uh, and again, this is just an opinion, but you don't want to make it too complicated. Yeah. You know, you don't like you know, like somebody will say, well, you know, let's limit steal attempts. Well, you're in the middle of the game. Do you now got to go back and check the guy's chart and see? Well, wait a minute, how many steal attempts do he have? You know, like yeah. so. So you don't want it to be too complicated that it bogs down the actual game. Right. You know, it should be it should be a good usage limit, but it should be something that's kind of simple and, and allows you to play the game without you know having to check a, a book every time uh, a guy comes up to bat. Makes sense. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, the, the player usage within the um, series, I think, works good because now you only have to worry about those four or five games, three games, whatever series you, you know, you're making. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just easier to manage within a series than even, you know, amongst the, uh, uh, a whole season. Right. So people and things with that. I don't know what, what the leagues you've been in. I don't know what they use, you know, but I, it seems like this quite a smorgasbord of uh, differences and how people uh, limit their players. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I think, I mean, you mentioned that uh, the biggest uh, uh, rule is, is DH, no DH. That's a pretty simple one. It's either yes or no. But on player usage, boy, it can really get in-depth. And I mean, like you said, I agree with you. It's best to keep it simple so you're not taking three hours to play a game because you're going to have to check charts. What has this guy done? Where has this guy been? How many innings does he allow? Is it appearances? Is it innings? Make it simple, and you can still keep the pace of the game up. Yes, yes. And I will tell you, I played in a, a, a BBW league once. Yeah. And they used uh, AIM. The AIM you know, system. Yeah. I got to tell you, this, BBW is far ahead of its time. Oh. Because that AIM you know, program is unbelievable. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. You don't have anything. You just go in there and you look at your upcoming lineup and it yeah. says, this guy's bush, this guy's tired. You pull him out of the game, he gets to, to rest. And, and, it's, and it's like a real um, major league team because what you're doing is, you know, listen, we all want to have, you know, Aaron Judge and Joey Votto in the lineup every day. Right. But we all have to realize that they're human beings and they need to rest. Right. But And so, if they did play under 62 games in the previous season, you don't have to rest them. But if they didn't, you know, you've exactly. got, you can't have a guy to play 30 games and bat at 385 play in a 162-game schedule. So, But the AIM system is incredible. I mean, I, in my replay, it's invaluable because I don't have to make decisions for every team. It's The decisions pretty much, 75% of those decisions are made for me by AIM. And you can play a player who's tired. But you risk him getting injured. So the, exactly. it doesn't take it away from you, your, your decisions, but it does make it more realistic, totally. It does. And, and in a league, that's another thing um, that you have to decide, right? Right. Like, in our league, we have uh, our rule is that the, you know, the 30 rostered players, they get to play. Nobody else gets to play. So if a guy gets an XC, I guess they call him these days, yeah. uh, XC card, he he can't he can't play. Right. He can't he can't start a game. Right. So so now what happens is we limit ourselves to the thirty players you know per team. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Again, that's just that's just the way we do it. Um, but what it does, see, what we found years ago is we used to like you know first couple of years we played every, everybody could play yeah. right. So, so what do you get? You know, you get the Hurricane Hazels and the guys like that, you know, where, you know, the guy was in 15 games, now all of a sudden you're going to use him for 160. And yeah. But meantime, he's got this, you know, Lou Gehrig-type card, <laughs> you know. Um, so it got a little crazy. So we said, you know what? The card, the APA card, the numbers are based on this guy's amount of usage. Yes. I mean, when you think about it, right? It you know, is, right. It, and the proper way he's going to hit you know, somewhat near those um, numbers. Mm -hmm. So we decided to use the guy the way he was used in in um, the major leagues, right. except for we felt that the XCs where the guy had two at-bats, and we just felt it opened up too much for us. Now, there are leagues that are bigger than ours, 
you know, like that might have, like I was in uh, Stray Corrado's uh, league where he had, you know, 28 guys, 28 teams. Yeah. Well, now you need those guys. Sure. They because have, have enough at-bats to go around, enough right. things pitched. Right. So that, you know, that's another issue. You may want to look at player usage limits based on the uh, size of the league. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good point. Good point. Yeah. We, 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 try, we try to not get these, you know, big Ruthian cards for guys that were, you know, that only played like, you know, 20 games or something. Well, like and, and it's the same issue as, as what we always call playing ball, where, right. you know, you look for what the situation is and because on the boards you bring in a left-handed pitcher to face a left-handed batter to get the, the great advancement. But fact of the matter is, if you're playing a master game, uh, the fact of the matter is, it'd be better if you did not have the platoon factor because of the situation of the base runners. So, and we always call right. that apple ball. Like that's not in the yep. spirit of the game. Same way, if you try to overuse a player who has a really incredible card for a very short part of a season, then you're really taking the spirit of the game out of it. Yeah, and you and you get that a lot with pitchers, right? Like I, I remember one year. And I was so mad at Apple for doing this. And I had the player on my team. Mm-hmm. It was Zach Britton, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, listen, I vented on the boards on this. But <laughs> it's like Zach Britton got a card. Like, he got, like, a card like Ted Williams, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. And and you know how many at-bats he had that year? Mm-hmm. Not many. Yeah, played appearances. Yeah. So I could not figure out how does Zach Britton get this card? So I, you know, I, I reach out, you know, I'm, I'm on the board. I put out, hey, what, you know, what's going on here, you know? And basically they said to me something like, well, that's, you know, it, it, we're going by like history, <laughs> like history. So in other words, Zach Britton hit a home run like four years ago. We're going to keep giving him a good card. <laughs> to me, that makes sense, okay? But, but what happened was I went to my league and I said, listen, we need to have a, a, a rule for this, yeah. you know? And, and everybody was kind of like laid back. I said, ah, you know, we don't need another rule. Blah, blah. It's okay. So now what do you do? Yeah. You're down one run. Okay. You bring in Zach Britton to pitch, knowing that he's going to be the first. He's going to be the first batter. I was going to bring that up earlier. You're right. And, and right. you're at the ball. Yeah. But you're playing within the rules. Okay. But the thing is, is that it was just, it just didn't make any sense. Right. You know, right. um, and, and now, now you have issues. You know, listen, the Otani, I mean, this is a big issue for the right. rules. You know, you do. The open doesn't have a, right, but it's right. God. Yeah. Okay? If you don't have a DH, like my, my league doesn't have a DH, what what do you do with Otani? Right. Okay? Right. So, you know, it, it, APA has um, a tendency of having these uh, aberrations, let's call them. You know, every yeah. so many years it seems that there's somebody or something that, you know, yeah causes leagues to turn around and say, mm, let me look at this. Now, it doesn't hurt the replayer, right? Because the replayer obviously is using the DH, so Otani's covered, right. okay? doesn't It doesn't hurt a league that's using the DH or having the DH and no DH in the same league. Right. It only hurts the, the leagues that have, you know, no DH. Right. So, again, you got to come up with special rules. So these are things that, you know, when we talk about rules, right, you got to have a system for rules. Right. So what's your system? What we do is in between, you know, uh, the seasons, guy is allowed to propose a rule change, you know, and then the league gets to vote on it. All the current uh, managers get to vote on it. So, you know, when you come up to Otani, when you come up to these different things that pop up, sometimes you have to have a special rule, and that's where you have to have a process of being able to introduce a new rule or revise an old rule right. in your league. Right. So that's important. You have to, yeah. you know, before you even put in rules, you have to have this, uh, um, a process of how do you get a rule into the rule book? How do you take out a rule to, uh, from the rule book? Right. So it's kind of, you know, stuff like that. Right. Just like, um, what was the other one I was talking to John Herson about? Um, the openers. Right. Yeah. That's another, now, that's another, another issue. One. Now you got yeah. guys coming in opening up a game yeah. and they're pitching one inning. Right. Okay. But, when we look at our player usage rules, our player usage rule says the, guy, the, the starting pitcher can start the same amount of uh, games he started in, in real life. So let's just say, you know, you know Severino pitches 30, uh, has 30 game starts in real life. Well, he's allowed to pitch 30 starts in the OZ League. Right. Now, that doesn't mean he has to pitch five innings 
he could pitch nine innings of those 30 starts. Right, right. So now what happens is when you got these openers and they come in and they pitch one inning, but they're getting credited for a game stop. Yeah. So, so now when, in my league, when you say, okay, well, that guy now, he did that 25 times, he could start 25 games. Yeah. He's not limited to the one inning. Yeah, now it's almost 10 times. He has the ability to pitch 10 I, times more than he did. Exactly. So now your leagues have to sit around the campfire, right, and discuss, okay, guys, what do we want to do with this? Right. Do we want to now say, you limit them to innings pitch? Because now it would factor in, right? He might have right. 25 games started, but he's only got 25 innings pitched. Yeah. Now, now that kind of, you know, that kind of a rule can, can fix itself. Yeah. But Otani and the openers have become a headache for a lot of leagues this year for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, and, and I will tell you, I, I put the full blame on the Apple Game Company because they should have put what they did over the years for guys that didn't play positions. They gave them positions anyway. With yeah, you're, I do remember and I think that. Yeah. that was the, probably the wrong way to go. Not yeah. the wrong way, but, you know, it, it was, if you would have just put DH from the beginning, Otani right. wouldn't be in it. Yeah. Right? right? Because you already, you already would have been yeah. dealing with this for 30 years. Yeah. But it does, it does bring a problem for, for leagues that do not have a DH. Uh, because right. that basically that nullifies Otani's batting card. Yes. Now we we actually went in and we you know because now now you have another issue, right? You're sitting there and here's a guy who who picked Otani, you know he he selected Otani uncarded or you know in his first year whatever, and, and now you're you're basically saying to him, well you know you can't really use him, yeah. you know, yeah. Because um, the rules, because the rules that we have in place, and who who thought, right? Who thought that this uh, was going to happen? Well, but then so, again, on the other hand too, I mean that's what you have to look at when you're thinking about drafting Otani. I mean, if you're in a league without yeah. a DH, hey, that might drop Otani down uh, uh, quite right. a few slots. So, uh, you know, it, there are ways to, 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 to deal with it, and, and sometimes you just got to gamble. Yes, and, and you know what? It's funny you say that because that was the topic of discussion. The topic of discussion was, hey, you know, this guy drafted Otani knowing that he yeah. was not yeah. in position. But what did, we, what did we think, John? What did we assume? We assumed that Apple was just going to throw a first base or left field. Right, right. They threw you know a curve. Saying? They threw so, a curve. So, but he didn't get that. Everybody was stunned, and, yeah. it, and it just caused ripples through the yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, the point is, is this. The point is, is you get around the campfire, and you put the situation out, and you say, listen, I understand what the rule is, but let's be fair, too. Yeah. You know, let's be fair to the guy that picked them. He didn't know Apple was going to do this. But we do know now in the future, right, we know that this can happen again. Right. Right, right. So we made a special rule. We said, you know what? Let's let's at least give him, you know, the amount of at bats he had as a hitter. Okay, uh, so he won't get six hundred at bats, but he'll be yeah. able to get the at bat that he had as a hitter. You know, as a pinch hitter, and, mm -hmm. and when he. So it was kind of like a compromise. We kind of met in the middle. I think we were fair. Um, of course, the guy who has Otani might have wanted something a little more, and I get that. Sure. You know, I don't blame yeah. him for that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that at least. We, we try to meet halfway on a special rule, and that's that's what you have to do. Sometimes you have to look at special. You have to look at the intent. You know, what's the intent here? What are we trying to do? We're all trying to have fun, right? Yeah. So, you know, let's 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 make it enjoyable. But <laughs> we have to keep within the, the rules and yeah. maybe come up with special things once in a while. And I think one of the important things about something like the Otani rule is, you know, just don't overthink it. Don't try to look at every single factor that is either going to be to your advantage if you have Otani or to be to your advantage or disadvantage if you don't have. Because I know I've been in leagues with a lot of guys that are very competitive, and they're not going to want a guy who has Otani to bat if there's no uh, DH oh, in that league. So, so you, and you, but you got to be fair. you you got to be fair. And, again, you do it in the spirit of the league, and if you have a good league, a league's been around for a while, that'll all work out. But, you know, again, don't try to overthink these problems and, and, and i gotta tell you that's part of being a, a good commissioner or being yeah. you know just being a commissioner yeah um and we should probably use that as one of our chapters going forward you know just you know serving as a commissioner yeah absolutely. because you know what i do a lot of times i'll get i'll get a couple of guys that have been in my league forever you know and i'll get them on a phone call and i'll say hey guys let's take a look at this how, how do we want how do, how do you think we want what's what's good what's best for the league yeah. see because that's how as a commissioner 
that's how I want my guys to think. Yeah. Okay. I want my owners to think what's best for the league, not what's best for John, who happens to have Otani right now. Of course, he's going to mm-hmm. vote every for Otani. Okay. Um, but you know what's fair, what's right, and like you said, what's what's in the spirit of the league. Right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I can't agree with you more. And again, yeah, that could be the difference between a good, long-lasting league and a fly-by-night league. You know, I mean, it's it, I shouldn't say fly-by-night because I'm. I was in a league called the fly by night. Don't mean anything uh, disparity to those guys, but but you know what I'm saying. It's 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 leagues that last and leagues that don't. So uh, that that's that's a great point. Um, you, one question before before we let you go in this segment: DH non DH. What is your personal view, just in baseball terms, about the well, DH? Well, now here, so so here, you know, obviously we've talked on the phone several times. We talk about the Reds. We talk about the Yankees. Okay, I'm a big Yankee fan. Okay, but I hate the DH. Yeah, I, yeah, and then again, it doesn't make me right. But no, make me right. but I think I it's heard. I think it's the age factor. I mean, I I I love that their strategy, the double switch. Do you pitch yeah. Do you take a pitcher out when he's due up? Who are you going to put in? Do you double switch or do you just take him out and bring up a pinch hitter that you want that may not be able to you know to play the position that the guy you want to take out is in. You know, so it, it's it just it adds so many layers of strategy. Uh, and, not having a DH uh, that that's and and I'm a big strategy guy. That's what I love. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you something. I think the reason I hate the DH is because I'm an Apple player. Yeah, because I'm there and I'm making these moves and I'm and yeah. I'm enjoying the game. Yeah. I'm enjoying the chess match. Yeah, you know, and, and and I just I just now listen. I get the other. You know, side of the spectrum. Who wants to see the one thirty-five pitcher batting yeah. average? You know, at yeah, yeah, coming yeah. over three, over four. You know, but but the thing is, I get both sides. But to me, I would much rather watch a National League game. Than, oh yeah. Than than an American yeah. League game. To me, yeah. and I'll tell you what else I think it violates. And again, I, we may be going off topic here, but this is just my personal opinion. I think what it's done is it's. It's, it's altered the numbers. Baseball, baseball is built on numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, numbers rule baseball. You know, I could tell you, Mickey Mantle had five hundred thirty-six yeah. home oh, runs. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember what I ate for lunch yesterday. Big numbers, right? Right, right. Pull about the numbers, right? So I think what the DH does, the DH gives you more five hundred home run hitters. Mm-hmm. It gives more guys that are going to stick around and play. Okay, and, and some people might like that. Some people might like the fact that so and so is going to hang around for another two years and hit, you know, uh, forty homers. Okay, to me, I feel like you know he's not playing the field. It's, it's not. It's not an even keel. So you can't compare Mickey Mantle to David Ortiz. I'm sorry, you just yeah, can't. Yeah. No. Well, um, and and not only that, the Players Association is big on the DH, and so. You know, I don't think the DH is ever going to go away because of the Players Association, number one. Um, but but you're right, and I think you can look at the stats at the end of any year, and the American League always has better offensive stats than the National League, and that's very uh, – the, one of the biggest reasons is because pitchers have to bat in the National yeah. League. And, and, and you're right, it does skew the numbers. I don't know if you can say that it just – you can throw out the numbers now because of it, but comparing players – like Mantle to Ortiz, you're exactly right. You can't really compare that. Right. And listen, you know, people will say, well, you know, you had the dead ball area, you had the steroid oh, area. Right. But what happens is when you start messing with baseball's numbers, now you're in hollowed ground. Yeah. You know, me, people say, oh, let the let the PED guys in the whole thing. I, I, I would, if it was up to me, John, I'd be standing at the front door with a machine gun. I'd let them in. <laughs> just, I just feel like they've violated so much and they've just, you know, it. Yeah. A whole yeah. Uh, that's a whole right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we're we're getting into dangerous territory, Dom. Yeah. So we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be driving by my house and throwing stones soon. <laughs> oh, well I'll tell you what, it was another great segment. You've done it again. Uh great ideas for, for league players, uh and uh, certainly uh you guys out there in leagues that and, and most of, every league has, you know, at the end of the season, let's look at the rules again and see if we can make any adjustments or changes or add new rules. Great information here for everybody, Dom. Thanks again. We'll see you back next time uh, with a different topic on Commissioner's Corner. Have a great time up until then, and uh, appreciate it. Okay, John. Take care. 
Well, that was Dominic Previsiero. If you needed him, I, I just can't get the image of him standing at the steps of the Baseball Hall of Fame with a machine gun, stopping those PED players from getting in. But anyway, we'll try to do that uh, during this next break. When I come back, we'll wrap things up for this edition of This Week in Appa, so stay tuned. John Aslan back here to wrap this edition of This Week in App Up, edition number 62. First of all, I want to thank Chris White and his contribution to the podcast, uh, talking about uh, you know, all things App as far as his life is concerned, and also his tournament coming up in August in Las Vegas. So if you're in the area, check in with Chris and sign up. It'll be a good time. Also want to thank Dominic Bruvisiero for another edition of Commissioner's Corner. And he will be back uh, with another version of that very, very soon. Want to uh, urge everybody, if they don't already get the uh, newsletter, the online uh, online newsletter from Appa Games, uh, to sign up for it. All you got to do is go to uh, customer service, that's C-U-S-T-S-U-P-P at appagames.com to sign up for that. A lot of good information in there. It comes out every Tuesday, courtesy of the CEO of the APA Game Company, John Herson. Uh, also, don't forget, the APA Convention uh, will be coming up very, very shortly, less than a month now. It'll be in Alpharetta, Georgia, uh, from June 20th to June 23rd. Some folks will be getting there even earlier than that. Uh, so you want to uh, register uh, at the convention uh, and you can also register at the, at the website, www.appagames.com. Uh, and if you're going to uh, get involved with any of the tournaments, uh, you need to do that as well. Uh, you can check out the tournament, uh, the tournament schedule uh, right there. You can find a link on the newsletter. Also, the tournament rules are there. You have to uh, uh, let uh, Skeet Carr know uh, via the website what team you're going to use. And I believe you have to um, put in your 20-man rosters by June 22nd so you can actually do it once you are at the convention. But sooner, the better. Um, not really any tournaments, regional tournaments uh, coming up uh, in the month of June, except for the uh, national tournament in Alpharetta. And uh, so uh, just check those out and we'll kind of go through some of those as uh, we get into some additions uh, of this podcast down the road. So that will just about wrap it up again. Thanks to my guest and Thanks to you for listening. And don't forget, download the Anchor Podcast app and then favorite this particular podcast this week in APA, and you will become a member of the TWIA family. So until next time, this is John Azalon saying so long, and thanks once again for listening to This Week in APA. <laughs>